Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the church behind the program, how to contact us, and learn more about the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 5, 13 through 15, called Freedom's Opportunities. This commandment we have from him, 1 John 4, 21, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. See, the best thing that we can do with our lives as we love God is love one another. The classic story is told of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, verses 25 through 37. And I think it's relevant here. And uh, maybe we'll uh, do a little less of our Galatian verse, verses because I want you to see this story. This is Luke chapter 10, verse 25. How do we love our neighbor as ourselves? What, what should we do? You might be looking for some practicals as you turn to Luke chapter 10. One thing that we can do is pray for one another. I think there's 59 one another commands in the New Testament. We can love each other. We can forgive each other. If we've been wounded by somebody else or wounded someone, this would be a great time to forgive. This would be a great time to uh, be praying for reconciliation in relationships. This is a great time to say love doesn't get caught up in the little weaknesses of everybody. Love covers a multitude of sins. There's a number of ways that we can be loving each other. But here's... Um, Luke 10, verse 25, a lawyer, Luke 10, 25, stood up. A lawyer is a scribe or an expert in the Mosaic law of the day, not a lawyer as we would know it. He stood up and put Jesus to the test. He said, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? Since you're an expert in the law, you're a lawyer, you're a scribe, how do you read it? What do you think is the most important? Jesus turns it back on him. And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God, the lawyer says now, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and, notice, your neighbor as yourself. Now he quotes Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus 19.18. Deuteronomy 6 is the famous Hebrew Shema, the prayer that Faithful Jews would pray at least a couple times a day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with everything that you are, just to summarize it. Leviticus 19.18 often coalesced with that command, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, this guy, uh, he's got it, right? He, we, we see this confirmed by Jesus and Paul. He answered correctly, and Jesus says to him, you've answered correctly, do this and you will live. Isn't it interesting? The man stood up and asked Jesus a question to test him. Now who's being tested? <laughs> the lawyer. Jesus is so brilliant. And he turns it back on the guy. Now has him answering his own question. And Jesus says, hey, you, you've answered correctly. He says, do this and you will live. Do you think the lawyer was doing it? Are you? But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Is it the people on the immediate left and right of my home? How about a couple doors down on each side? Who is my neighbor? How about that, Jesus? Dun, 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 dun. Now, he wished to justify himself, but notice what Jesus says. Jesus replied and said, 
Here's a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. They stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest, here's a religious guy now, was going down on that road. And when he saw him, what did he do? He passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, here's another guy who is in service of the temple. Also, when he came to the place and saw him, poor man beaten up, left half dead, what did he do? He passed him on the other side. Now imagine the man is listening to the story along with others who have heard the question in the dialogue, a Jewish audience, but a Samaritan who was hated by the Jewish people, who was on a journey, came upon him. When he saw him, what did the Samaritan do? He felt compassion. There was love. Compassion is love in action. And he came to him and he bandaged up his wounds. He was willing to go to him and have compassion. He poured oil and wine on them. He put him on his own beast. Notice all the actions. He brought him to an inn. He took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii, probably would give the guy about three weeks or a month at this inn, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever more you spend when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? Jesus says to the lawyer. And he, the lawyer, responded and said, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. It would have been hard for the man to say, the one who showed mercy was the Samaritan man because there was such a racial conflict going on at the time. And Jesus told the story intentionally to say, you can be religious, but if your religiosity doesn't bear fruit in compassion, if it doesn't show neighborly love to someone who's broken and hurting, if you can quote verses and light candles in a structure, but you can't help someone who's been left half dead and bleeding, and you go to the other side of the road instead of intervening, then you don't have true fruit in your life. And each one of us, as we read Jesus' words here, we have to take a hard look at our Christian walk, don't we? We have to look at the way in which the church operates. And when the doors reopen, when we come, come back by God's grace to normal life, how will this story impact your walk? You know, I'm a man who spends a lot of time in the Bible and I can, I can navigate the scriptures pretty well at this point and break down words and understand context and all of that stuff. But if I can't leave these doors and show compassion to somebody, if the love of God is missing in my life, I can be a great technician. I can quote Bible verses left and right. But if I don't have the love of God in me, 1 Corinthians 13 says, I'm nothing. I I could have all wisdom and all knowledge. I could offer myself in martyrdom. I could have every spiritual gift, have all the eloquence of angelic voices in heavenly halls. I could sing with the best of them. But if I don't have love, I'm nothing. And it profits me nothing. Could it be, brethren, that during this time, God is saying to us that the the biggest missing piece 
in my church in these times is that they've left their first love. That they are good at doctrine, they're good at this, good at that. Not that we shouldn't be, we should. But what kind of, what kind of outreach does God have for us when we return? What's he calling you to do and me to do? You know, we struggle within the church just to get people to teach Sunday school. Let's be honest, a lot of the time to keep all the standard ministries back to Galatians uh, going. And uh, there's, there's some, some heart searching that I've been doing and I pray that you've been doing. And here's what's happening in the Galatian church. And this is what happens when we get caught up in the flesh is we start making it about us and we start, instead of bearing fruit, we start take, instead of building others up, we start chewing into them. Check this out. This is verse 15. And we'll just, we'll just go up to um, verses 15 and 16 this morning. It says, if you bite and devour one another, take care lest you be consumed by one another. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out you will be destroyed by each other. The flesh can be utterly ruthless. And if we're tree B, if we are so consumed about ourselves, instead of edifying, we start hurting other people. And this, this can happen in the best of churches. Biting and devouring. These are strong terms. In fact, these are terms, if you look them up in a Greek lexicon, for the ruthless behavior of animals as they are fighting, like cats and dogs, you could say. The words here speak of animals biting and devouring, engaged in the fury of a deadly struggle. If you've ever seen it before, if two dogs fight and are going at it and they begin to bite each other, or you know, maybe even something even worse, it's ugly. The flesh can be ruthless. Uh, I saw a video recently of a dog. Uh, I can't even remember how I came across it, but a dog that had been abused by its owner and it was being taken into a shelter with many other dogs and they had it in a kennel and this dog was beat up and scrawny and showing its teeth when anybody got near it. And uh, the shelter that was taking it in was trying to love the dog and there was a, a gloved hand trying to reach out and just pet the dog. And the dog was gnawing at the glove, <laughs> biting it, and, and just really defensive and protective. And little by little, as that gloved hand came nearer and nearer to that dog and began to just stroke its face, and it was no longer seen as a threat, that dog calmed down. It became more and more uh, passive, and eventually it began to lean into the hand that gloved hand and began to just enjoy the strokes of love. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Please take the time to visit our website, walkintruth.com, to learn more about the program. And if you've been listening for some time and appreciate what the program has to offer, would you please consider giving a small donation? Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we're able to broadcast on this station and do the podcast because of that support. That's also how we're able to do our 633 apologetic events for free. If you're a new listener, please don't give. We're just blessed that you're listening. But if you've been listening for a while, can you give $5 today? 
We believe that the Lord is faithful, and your $5 donation will go a long way to help us keep this ministry going. You can give your $5 donation when you visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on Donate. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. I saw a video recently of a dog. Uh, I can't even remember how I came across it, but a dog that had been abused by its owner and it was being taken into a shelter with many other dogs and they had it in a kennel and this dog was beat up and scrawny and showing its teeth when anybody got near it. And uh, the shelter that was taking it in was trying to love the dog and there was a, a gloved hand trying to reach out and just pet the dog and the dog was gnawing at the glove. Biting it and, and just really defensive and protective. And little by little, as that gloved hand came nearer and nearer to that dog and began to just stroke its face, and it was no longer seen as a threat, that dog calmed down. It became more and more uh, passive, and eventually it began to lean into the hand, that gloved hand, and began to just enjoy the strokes of love. It had been so beat up, so gnarled by a ruthless owner that a dog, which, you know, every dog, when treated rightly, is all heart. It became so defensive. It just couldn't help but nip at that that glove. It had been so hurt and so wounded. And that's why a lot of people bite and devour others. That's why they're so defensive because they've been hurt so many times. So many chunks have been taken out of them by church people, by people they expected to treat them well, that sometimes that's why people are defensive because they've got wounds and hurts. And we have to Bring that gentle hand of love into the kennel, so to speak, and say, no, that's not what we're here for. We're not trying to take something from you. We're trying to give. And you watch people who have been bitten and devoured by others begin to lean in to the strokes of love, if you will, and realize that there is something true and beautiful. And they showed this dog later, and it's in this uh, uh place where they have all these dogs and there's multiple dogs there. And it's, ru- it's running around. It's now been healed a couple months later, freely playing with the other dogs, the uh, tail wagging, a beautiful picture of restoration. See, when we get self-focused, we begin to bite and devour. Even the apostles were doing that to one another at the Last Supper the night before Jesus would die on the cross for them and show them the love of God at the cross. They were trying to destroy each other. Oh, God. 
If the whole law is fulfilled in this one word, would you help me to love as you love? You might say, well, how do you do it? How does anyone love in this way? It can't be you. It's got to be the love of God. God is love. See, you can't generate this love by willpower. It's got to be by spirit power. So many of us are trying to love people in our own strength, trying to overcome struggles with our flesh in our own strength. We can't do it. But I say 16, walk by the Spirit. Here it is. And this in, in the Greek, this is very strong, brethren. And you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And in context, the previous verse was hurting other people. Sometimes we read Galatians 5.16 as, oh, I won't give in to sexual sin. And that's true. And that's coming in the vice list or the fruits of the flesh. But in the immediate context, the desire of the flesh is hurting other people, not loving them the way we're supposed to. These, these are our biggest struggles. Verse 16 is a beautiful promise about divine enablement, about spirit-promised power. Paul, says one writer, is fundamentally optimistic here. To walk by the Spirit is a common Hebraism for conducting one's life, and thus to walk is synonymous with living. In the previous message, we talked about running the race. Uh, we talked about the war in, in Galatians 5.17, and here it's a walk. We walk by the Spirit. It's about a pace of life. It's about a habitual way of life. And there's a tension here in verse 16 that I want to mention. Sometimes uh, we can be in one of two camps. Sometimes we say, uh, the, the walk of the Spirit is just this passive thing where you just kind of sit uh, and, and you wait until the Spirit empowers you to get your feet moving. And there's a little bit of truth in that, in that, yeah, we need to sit before the Lord, but, but our walk is also an active, we're an active participant. Here's the tension of these verses. Because there's a lot of verses that challenge us in terms of, for example, work out what God is working in you. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's a lot of call to action verses. Put on the armor of God. In other words, God supplies, but we must put on. This is the tension in Galatians 5.16. It's an active walk. It's deciding to open your Bible. Your Bible's not going to fly from your bookshelf and open to an applicable page for your life for that day. You've got to make a move. You've got to open your Bible, right? It's not going to fly to you. But once you've opened your Bible, the supply is there. Your car will not say, time to go to church. Maybe one day they will with all the technology and pick you up in the driveway and get you to church. You've got to make the move. But once you come, aren't you always, at least usually glad that you came to church? Because the word of God is preached and the worship of God goes up. And when it does, the things of the spirit begin to push out the things of the flesh. Man, we're in a war. Verse 17, uh, just we'll touch on it and it will help lead us into the next section. For the flesh, here's the war, sets its desire against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. There is a war. Verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Here's another way you could translate this, brethren. 
You're not under the power of sin. See, you're no longer under that weight because when you're spirit-led, all of a sudden you're free to be who you were called to be. You're not under a weight of trying to produce it from the flesh, of trying to get yourself saved or stay saved. Uh Uh-uh. The spirit-directed life is a life of freedom which flows from the power of the spirit to a willing vessel. Here's the picture. The water flows, it comes out, but you got to get under the water faucet and take a drink. The Pacific Ocean keeps flowing with the waves, but you got to come with your cup and take a scoop of the water. This is the tension. See, there is a war going on. It's in verse 17. It's a war between flesh and spirit. The life of the spirit is doable, but it feels like a war. Don't surrender to your sin. The flesh digs its heels in against the spirit. The spirit opposes the desires of the flesh. See, the spirit has desires for you. Delight yourself in the Lord and you will have what? The desires of your heart. The more you delight yourself in the Lord, the more your desires become his desires. The more he puts desires for good inside of you to serve and to love and to do noble, beautiful, righteous things. See, the war is doable and winnable, but you're in a war. And this will help explain for some of you why it feels so tough. And if anybody tells you that it's easy, they're not being truthful. See, it's a battle. But the battle belongs to the Lord. And the good news is that as you walk by the Spirit, you're led by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit's coming into that life-giving tree, fruit just starts popping up. Yeah, you got to be planted. Yes, you got to stay in your Bible. Yes, you got to realize that you can't feed the flesh. You got to feed the Spirit. But as you do those things, you find victory. See, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. In, In the questions that are available for you to uh, work through one of the questions talks about Romans 7 and there Paul said, you know, I, I want to do good. I wish to do good, but I find another law in my flesh and it's a battle. And Romans 7, around verses 15 through 25, he says, man, I joyfully concur with the law, but I find another law in my my flesh. What's my flesh? It's my still unredeemed humanity. It's my fallen nature, if you will. And it's still there until I get a glorified body. I'm still going to wrestle with it. But the more I learn to walk by the Spirit, the more I drink in the things of God, the more I take in the Word of God, the more I meditate on His Word day and night, fruit, fruit and more fruit comes. And the things of the world grow strangely dim. You're listening to Freedom's Opportunities, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 5, 13 through 15. And remember, if you missed any part of today's program or Part 1 or 2, you can listen to Pastor Michael's teachings on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. As an FYI, Pastor Michael is the Senior Pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in Corona, California. And you're invited to attend our Wednesday night and Sunday morning services in person or live streamed on YouTube. Join Pastor Michael in the Living Truth Christian Fellowship family in worship and for an inspiring teaching in the Bible.
You can find Living Truth Christian Fellowship on YouTube and by going to walkintruth.com. Pastor Michael and all of us here on the Walk in Truth team would love it if you joined us. Now here's Pastor Michael with a word. Well, as we sum up a teaching on freedom's opportunities, you know, Jesus came to make us free. He said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And I know a lot of us have been thinking about freedom, you know, especially in the days in which we live. And Jesus came to make us free. So maximize every opportunity, brethren, for freedom. Well, God bless you. I'm so glad you're listening. This is Pastor Michael Lance. And hey, next time, as we continue on in the book of Galatians, we're going to deal with a message called Tug of War. And even though we want to walk in the freedom with which Christ has set us free, we have a war on our hands. And we've got to recognize it. It's a tug of war. It's the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And there's going to be more to come tomorrow right here on Walk in Truth. Now, if you're a regular listener, God bless you. We're so glad that you're part of our listening family. If you're brand new to Walk in Truth, welcome aboard. We're going through Galatians. Tell a friend, keep us in prayer, and we'll catch you right here tomorrow for Tug of War. See you then. And one more thing. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your $10 donation helps us broadcast on radio and provide the podcast. It's all part of our mission to equip you with the truth in the Bible and how it applies to today's issues, trends, and culture. So please give your donation at walkintruth.com. And thanks to everyone who's been giving and becoming monthly partners. You are a blessing. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 5, 16 through 21, called Tug of War. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.